Yes. Right. Right. So, all what we're supposed to, just because society will, the point that they do is they won't greet one another, maybe, they won't love one another well and things, we still are supposed to. Now, holy kiss-wise, we should do whatever is culturally acceptable to that degree. So if it's a handshake, then you shake hands. If it's a hug, then you hug. If it's a holy kiss, then you do the holy kiss, whatever. When we were in Turkey, that's what we did. They would come in and you, it was just normal. Cheeks, yeah. Right. Now, unless that is clearly sinful in the culture. So let's say a culture when you first met somebody, you made love with them. That would be wrong. We wouldn't do that. You wouldn't greet each other with lovemaking. We would have to say, that's too far, that's sin. We can't do that. So, holy kiss is not too far, probably. However, if I, if it was an issue for me, most of the time men and women don't do that. Most of the time that's men and men and women and women because of those kind of cross, you know, gender roles and things. So, whatever they culturally do that is close, that's what we should be doing. But where it's different is they won't, they'll, they'll, push other people away and not show their, their unity with and we're supposed to still show our unity with one another. That's the that's where they would be different. Does that make sense? I did more I wasn't promoting at the start I think you were. I think you were on the start
jump right in front of me. Or maybe I think I have one more. How many people have the book? <laughs> Your brain top function? Yes. What am I looking for? I need this. Why aren't you where you're supposed to be? How about that? Where is she supposed to be? That's the question. D I'm DDing. I do. I know what you're talking about. Let's get started this evening. Let's get started this evening. <laughs> really, it's very important. All right, let's get started. Let me get uh, some prayer requests from you guys. Praises that maybe we didn't uh, cover this morning that you want us to pray about or praise the Lord for before we get started this evening. Any, any requests or praises? <clears throat> Yeah, continuing. There's still one missing. So, yeah, still lifting up. That hasn't changed, right, Philip, to your knowledge? Okay. Okay. One missing boater out there still. What else? Yeah, that was a blessing. Thank you all for serving that way. It's a blessing to those who can hopefully listen a little better. <laughs> there does need to be a class. That's true. <laughs> um, 
Yes, we actually are going to be having a new nursery coordinator starting this year, so trying to get that ironed out, but I'll uh, get it out to you as soon as I can. Oh, we've already answered two of your questions. Amazing. What else, guys? Philip. Praise the Lord, we're moving into a house this week. Yes. How, and I love this, too. Yeah, Barbara Ray. So how long has it been that you've been homeless? Six months homeless, Jesus somewhere promises that he'll take care of you. And so what I love about the Lord's providence is Miss Barbara gets to be here with us this evening, which is a lot of times you're obviously in Texas. And so the Lord using you to keep his promises that he will take care of them. And then Ray and Lori back there sharing an opening of their home that you guys are living with them. And so just praise the Lord that he uses his body to love and serve one another and glorify him because that's completely foreign again to people you would love one another and and do that kind of stuff but praise the lord he's done that and so and also praise the lord that now you have a house you live in too and now you'll be able to start using your home again to be able to bless others and do things too so right are they going to all right so now you have your own they're going to move in with them praise the lord it went? All right. Well, we'll just, that's fine. Uh, others? Yes, Miss Chrissy. All right, let's go to the Lord and ask for his grace and mercy for our time tonight and lift up these requests, and then uh, we'll get started tonight. God of all grace, we do thank you for the fact that we can gather this evening. Lord, I thank you for everybody that's here. Lord, I ask that you would, by your spirit, help us to uh, be ready to uh, hear truth from your word, Lord. Help us to understand um, what we're talking about tonight, and really, Lord, use it to conform us more and more to the image of your Son. Lord, as always, if there are those here who do not know you, Lord, we pray that tonight they would hear uh, the gospel, that they would understand, and they would come to faith in Christ. Lord, we're thankful that because of Jesus, we're able to come to you with our requests. And so, Lord, we, we do lift up the, the family members of uh, these two gentlemen that went missing, one has passed away. And we lift up the, the one gentleman to you, Lord. We don't know. It is, of course, possible that he's still alive. And so, Lord, we pray that that would be the case and that you would sustain him and that they would find him. But, Lord, if that's not what's going on here, um, then we pray for peace for the family, uh, a peace that surpasses all understanding. We pray that if they know you, that they would draw close to you during this time. And Lord, if they do not know you, Lord, that they would come to know you through this tragedy, Lord. We're thankful, Lord, for the little ones that we do have in the church, and we do pray for their salvation, Lord. We pray that they would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray, Lord, that they would follow you all the days of their lives, Lord. And we pray that if they, if they are to be married, Lord, that their spouses would be followers of yours, Lord, and they would have a marriage that points to Christ, and that if they have children, Lord, that those children would come to know you as well. So we pray for our little ones and pray that we would disciple them well, that the parents would disciple them well, and, uh, Lord, raise them in the ways of the Lord. We're thankful that and um, celebrate with Philip and Misty, Lord, that you have provided this home for them and that they're moving in this week, Lord. And so 
we ask that you would uh, bless them and that you would uh, help help them as logistics-wise as far as moving in. And, Lord, that their home would indeed be a blessing. It would be a, a place where you are honored, you are glorified, and they use it as a, as a ministry to others. And, Lord, I do thank you for Chuck and Barbara and Ray and Lori and others who have come alongside of them through this season and blessed them and shown the love of Christ, Lord. We thank you for that and such testimony of your goodness to us. We're thankful that you've answered our prayers with Jacob as well, uh, with his uh, physical needs, Lord, um, that he's doing so much better. Thankful that Christy was able to go and, and minister um, to, to Jacob, and even with Amber and everything that's gone on with her family, Lord, we continue to pray for uh, peace for them. We pray for uh, unity in their family, and we, we pray for Jacob's healing. Lord, again, as we, as we study tonight, would you, would you watch over us, would you bless us, and would you teach us? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can just go ahead. Liam, will you turn off those screens with the remote? All right, we're going to do a couple songs with the screens tonight, but apparently it's not obeying very well. It's not listening. So uh, thankfully that was not this morning that that wasn't working. We'll figure out why the computers are not working. They, they started in the middle of the day. I was trying to set up some things on them, and they just stopped working. So, um, so we'll just get into our um, time of study, and then perhaps maybe we'll sing the doxology together after we study. So go ahead and get in your uh, books if you have them. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 4 of uh, Don Whitney's book on spiritual disciplines and spiritual disciplines inside of the church, okay? And so if you need to sneak next to somebody uh, and share, you can do that. We had two more copies and they're gone now, so I think, Josh, did you grab? Where's it at? Right back? Oh, you got it back there. Delete that. Okay, good. I want to make sure we have it out. Okay. So in, in, what? Okay. So in talking about this, the last chapter we talked about uh, the biblical idea of church membership and why you should be a member of a church. Anyone want to help remind the group why church membership is biblical and important? Being together. Okay, we're called to do that. We're called to fulfill the one another's. We're called to be together. And so local church membership helps us do that. What are some other clear pointers? Serve in the church, right? The best place to exercise your spiritual gifts and to serve is inside a local church where you can do that. Good. Yep. It's literally the body of Christ on earth. It's the body of Christ on earth, the expression of the body of Christ on earth. Good. What else? Yeah. It builds up the church when you join. Yeah, it builds up the church. It's kind of like we talked about before. It'd be kind of like somebody there. They're dating for a long time, and they say, well, I really like you, but I don't want to be committed to you. I don't want to, I don't want to marry you, but I just really like you a lot. <laughs> What's going on? Wait, what do you mean? Well, you won't, you're not willing to commit. Why, why would you not commit, right? You love this group of people. You should be willing to commit to those people. Good. What else? Yes, Mr. Phil, thank you. It lets the pastors and the elders know who their flock is, right? If you're not one of the covenant members, then you're not officially our flock. Now, what is interesting is we do have a few kind of, I don't know what you'd call them, sheep that wander in for, from time to time. <laughs> and so we, we, we keep track of them the best that we can. Uh, but as far as, you know, we will give an account before Christ for our sheep. That's something that the elders will do. And so I really want to know who I'm going to give an account for. I do not want to have to give an account for somebody that I didn't even know I was supposed to give an account for, right? So that helps see that as well. Yeah, good. Anything else? Any other things in Scripture that help us see biblical church membership? 
starts with a D and ends with a plin. Discipline. Good. Absolutely. You weren't even here last week. You're already getting bonus points. Look at this. Good. Church discipline. You cannot discipline somebody that has not been a member covenant under that church. You cannot put somebody outside of something that they're not a part of, right? It's like we had a great example with Jim and Marcy. You're talking about the women's club and all these rules that the women's club has. And, man, you got to be there and you got to serve. you got to do this and that. And sometimes churches are just like, eh, do whatever you want. No. No, no, no. If you're a member, you're committed. But when it comes to church discipline, that's for you to be put outside of something. You have to be a part of something. In addition, you could argue that um, in the book of Acts, when they choose, some say they're the first deacons uh, in Scripture, uh, when they choose them, it says, choose from among yourselves these men who would serve and help handle this. Well, there has, among, what does that mean? Among yourselves. There has to be a group for that to happen. So, so we spent some time in chapter 3 looking at uh, why there should be church membership uh, in the local church. Before that, I think we talked about baptism. I think Mr. Jamie led us through that. And baptism in the local church, why it should be linked again to the, to the local church. And then why we, in chapter 1 was why we should go to church, why we're supposed to be there. And we talked about how when you, as, and according to Hebrews, if you forsake the gathering, it becomes a regular thing for you, right? A habit of that. That that would be sin that you're in. Because again, if you're able to gather with saints, then you should be. It doesn't mean that you can't be sick and mess and things of that nature. But the point is it should not be a habit. You should be regularly gathering. And so we said, man, think about that. All the Christians that, are, that would at least, you know, they would say they're followers of Christ and they're not gathering when they could be. Now, again, we're not saying sickness or something else, but they could be gathering, and they're not. They're, 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 dis, they're directly disobeying a command that they should be gathering with the saints, and it's good for them. It's not like, you need to go do that because, you know, even if it was, the Lord said it, you should do it, but it's also good for them. They need it. We need it, and so we need to be gathering. So that was chapter one. So now we're going to be in chapter four, and I'm really excited about this one. Why listen to preaching in the church? And especially after watching some of your faces this morning, I think we really need to go through this and make sure that we're listening when I'm preaching. Will there be a test afterwards? Oh, absolutely. I knew you were, you're ready for a test, aren't you? All right. So the church has to rediscover who God is, come to know him and fellowship with him. The avenue for that has always been Bible exposition and teaching, there's no shortcut by James, Mo James Montgomery Boyce. All right, somebody start reading this first section here, and I'll stop you, and we'll do some discussion as we go along. But somebody go ahead and read out loud for us some time ago. All right, we're going to stop there. Is everyone tracking with what's being said so far? He's saying that this church, prominent church in a southern state, believed that the best way to communicate the gospel or to communicate God's word to people would be in, what does he say? Drama? And he's at the National Conference for 
puppetry and clowning, right? So he's at the conference and they're getting a, you know, an interview here and he's saying, this is the best way. But notice his heart behind it first before we get into it, because I, I want to be careful here. Just because people might do things differently doesn't mean that their heart is necessarily wrong with what they're trying to do. I want to be careful here. What is his reasoning or their reasoning for doing it? He's trying to meet them where they are, perhaps, right? This is the best way that people seem to learn, so what we're trying to do is, is reach them in that way. Is that necessary? Now, I'm not getting into the details yet of preaching what I, but is that, would you say, oh man, he is just such a scumbag. How could he ever? He's wanting, they are wanting to reach people. That's the good thing. The problem will be revealed as we continue on. But just notice at least that he's trying. People can be very sincere. They can be sincerely wrong, but they can be very sincere. Okay? Continue on, please. In some quarters of the church today, preaching is seen as the Pony Express message of the gospel in a day of communication by fax, modem, and satellite. Like that horseback postal system, preaching served its purpose instead. But now there are more effective, efficient, and attractive methods of communicating. There's no denying this is a visually oriented state, age. In the day of the sermon being the best and only show given by the best educated man in town, we'd go out in most places with the Pony Express in the mid-1800s. Thoughts so far? All right. It, 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 it. From a human right. perspective, that's going to be part of the key here. What we humanly decide or try versus what the Word of God says. That's going to be really the difference here. But yeah, it seems like it could be logical. Somebody else pick up and read there? Wouldn't it be better just to let the preaching of the word go away? Somebody else? In defiance of the world's wisdom that says no one wants to come to church and hear sermons, in defiance of the church's marketing strategy that questions the value of traditional preaching and would rather replace it with something more visually stimulating, I want to contend from 1 Corinthians Preaching is always relevant, although I could list many reasons from throughout the Bible. There are several from this one verse that show why you should attend church, attend a church where you can consistently hear 
All right, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's see what he's talking about. We don't want to just be in the book here. We want to see what else we can see in Scripture. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Even if he's helping us understand the Word of God, we want to be in Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, writer of 1 Corinthians, Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, one of what we think would have been three letters. We have two in Scripture because that's all the ones that are inspired by God for us to have. The Apostle Paul writing, he has a, a standard greeting and he gives thanks. Then he's going to go to, and I don't want to just jump to verse 21. I want us to read a little bit more in context so we can understand what's going on. He gives thanks for the church and then starting in verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. That sounds familiar from this morning. Unity. <laughs> Isn't that amazing how the Lord just puts all that together? Although if you do read Paul often, you will see a lot on unity because it is, again, such a primary issue. All right, so we have, for it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each, of you, each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Interesting. Somebody pick up there in 14. Side note there, like it's so neat that this is this is holy scripture and it's personal. It's Paul writing here, and he's like, I'm glad I only baptized a couple of people. Well, I guess I also baptized that house, but I'm glad I didn't baptize a whole bunch of you, right? That's interesting. And then beyond I like this too, it may be an encouragement for some of you who are forgetting things, unlike me. I never forget. But beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. All right. Paul, very human. Paul's very human here, right? Okay, continue on. Mm. And not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied by emptied of its power. Apparently, according to the Apostle Paul here, there is a power in the cross of Christ. There's a power in the cross of Christ. And what he's saying is, I didn't come making this big show using all this big language. I didn't come to you and do that. Because if I did, then maybe it would have emptied the, the power of the cross of Christ. You would have been believing and you would have been around for other reasons instead of the cross of Christ. See what he's saying? For the word of God, verse 18, is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wait, sorry. For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand a sign, Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ 
crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. That's where he's getting this verse from, okay? So when we go back to our, our book here, he's saying that he's going to contend that the preaching of Christ and him crucified is always relevant and is more powerful than anything else we could come up with. Does it make sense? You tracking so far? Good. Back to our book. Let's read that next section. God was pleased to ordain preaching. Go ahead uh, and start reading there. Okay, back to Romans 1. I know it's been over a year ago <laughs> as we work through the book of Romans. But in Romans 1, it does say that we can know things about God through nature. But what do we do with that in our sinfulness? What do we do with that general knowledge of God without the work of God? What do we do? We misinterpret it. We take it for granted. We suppress the truth. We worship Yes, we exchange the truth for a lie. Okay? So really, so people say, well, I, I can see God outside. Well, that's true. But you cannot see enough of him to be saved. What general revelation does, what, what, what seeing God out there does, is it was enough to condemn you. It's enough to condemn you. Why? Because what happens is it shows that there is a God and that he should be worshipped. But in our sinfulness, we suppress that truth. And so when you go to stand, that's why somebody who's in the middle of Africa who has never heard the gospel or any nation, we pray for these different nations all the time, if somebody there has never heard the gospel, they don't get to go to heaven and go, well, I didn't hear, so thus I should be able to get in. That's not how it works. The fact that God has shown himself enough is that it condemns us in our sinfulness. Because, think about this for a second, if ignorance got you into heaven, then we should stop talking about Jesus immediately, and we should close every church, and we should close every mission-sending organization, and nobody should ever speak of him again, because if nobody speaks of him, then everybody is ignorant, and if they're ignorant, then everyone goes to heaven. But that's the opposite of what Jesus tells us to do. He doesn't say, stay ignorant, close the church, don't speak of me. He says, go to the ends of the earth, laying down your life for those so they can hear the gospel, right? So we know that ignorance will not save. So this general revelation, yeah, God has made himself known, but it's, it's not enough. We see him clearer through his word. Special revelation. There's general revelation that all people can see. And then he reveals to himself in a special way in particular through the, the word by the spirit to teach us more about who he is and who his son is. 
No one has seen the Father unless you see the Son. You have to see the Son, and that's how you see who God is. How do you see the Son? You see him in the Word, and the Spirit has to show you him. Continue reading there, please. Whoever it was, who was reading? Because he, I think. Because he is the perfect declaration of God, John 1 18, Jesus Christ is called the Word of God. The Apostle John describes the incarnational self disclosure of God in this way. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, John 1 14. To see God, look at the Word of God, Jesus Christ. God also revealed himself through his written word, known to us as the Bible. Near the end of his life, when the Apostle Paul wrote his last known letter, he affirmed that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. 2 Timothy 3.16. Thus the words of scripture are the words of God himself. As such, they are never outdated or stale. On the contrary, the word of God is living and isn't that great about God's word that it's living and active? Right? It's, it's living, it's active, it's, it's timeless, it's eternal. So, it's always relevant to us. It speaks to us when we go to hear it or when we read it. It speaks to us by the Spirit to our hearts. And so, this is how God has ordained for us to hear the gospel and believe. This is... Now, you may say, well, I don't think that's the right way to do that. <laughs> then you're making a judgment against God. He has decided this is how it will work. Somebody different, just pick up reading there. Today, it is through God's written word that we come to know his incarnate word, Jesus. In other words, God revealed himself to us in Jesus. And through the Bible, we learn about Jesus. There's much more I could say about God's self-revelation in Scripture, how it reveals his attributes, his law, his will, his plan for the world. My purpose at this point, however, is to emphasize how God means to make his inspired words and his son known to the world. The mere presence of the Bible on the planet does not communicate his message. God also has a plan of confirmation. Think about some of the options available to omnipotent. omnipotent God for declaring his message. He has tens of thousands of angels. They could be employed full-time throughout the earth declaring the words of God and the story of Jesus, much as they did. Right, we went, we went through the Christmas story and the angels come and they declare things. And so God could, if he wanted to, he could just have all the angels just go around and tell people. That would be a lot easier than us and they'd probably do it a little better <laughs> as far as their faithfulness in doing it. He could have done that. He hasn't. Go ahead. What about that idea? A galactic Bible. Go ahead. God can write with the calligraphy of the clouds in the tongue of every people group to reveal himself each day. He could speak every morning directly from heaven in a voice that thunders from the sky, as he did in John 12, 28, etc. But for reasons known only to himself, he has chosen none of these means. Instead, he has determined that he would reveal himself to people through his word by means of preaching. Therefore, Preaching is always relevant, no matter what a majority of people thinks of any particular culture at any given point in history, because it is God's idea. Why is preaching relevant? Because it's God's idea. 
That's why. That's, that's the means that he's used. Have you ever thought about that? He could, right, in the clouds, this calligraphy, he could do that if he wanted to, couldn't he? For reasons, I love that, reasons known only to himself. There are the secret things that belong to God, and we don't understand them. And so we don't try to break down and go, God, I'm trying to figure you out. Why didn't you do that? No. You be faithful and go and share and do what he's told you to do. <laughs> don't worry about why he could have done it that way or should have done it this way. This is the way he's done it, so we be faithful and we go and follow. So the meaning of preaching. Let me hear how you define preaching. How do you define preaching? Somebody comes up to you, they're not Christian, and they come up to you on the street and they say, oh, you're one of those kooks at the Baptist church. <laughs> Help me understand what preaching is. How would you respond? What's preaching? Try to be... Okay, so, so preaching God's word. So, you, so you're starting to use preaching as to define preaching. So speaking. Speaking God's word. Okay? We have, so far we have that. We're speaking God's word. How else would you define preaching? Teaching. Okay? Explaining the text. Okay? Good. Anyone want to add to that? Interpreting. Okay. Okay. So the person, whoever's doing the preaching, is help interpreting it for you and helping you to, and explaining it to you and helping teaching it to you and helping you understand it. Good? Normally one person, a leader, is giving it to a group of people. So normally, so again, if we're talking really basic, somebody who's never even been around, pre they don't even know what it is, you're saying normally one person is, is doing it to a group of people. Okay, good. That's a very basic, that's good. That's basic. And they're interpreting something. And Now, can there be preaching that's not biblical preaching? Yeah? <laughs> Man, y'all were passionate about that. What did you have in mind? What, what, what kind of preaching is there that's not biblical preaching? Okay, okay. So there can be a preaching that's not <laughs> preaching the Bible. Okay. So, so what's that? False gospel. Okay, so, let's, so, let's, so, so we're, we want to definitely be talking about biblical preaching, right? So we're explaining preaching. It's usually a person, which that's Joel Osteen, and he's talking to a group of people. That's Joel Osteen, and he's interpreting. I mean, he is. I mean, I wouldn't say he's doing well, but he's doing that right. Okay. And he's teaching, and he's explaining things. But it's content out of context. Content out of context. Okay. And whose glory is it? So, so, so biblical preaching should have the proper context, and the context should match up, and it should be to the glory of God. So now we're helping shape our definition more on biblical preaching. What else would you say with it preaching? It sounds to me like we've gotten off on this as a real negative thing, but we have books that we preach out of uh -huh. that are based upon the Bible, mm -hmm. and that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, because it's based upon the Bible. Okay. Yeah, they might be preaching out of books that aren't that aren't based. Out of There's Bible. many many books preachers like to use to develop a sermon. Right to help develop a sermon. Okay. And that's not a bad. Thing. Yeah. Is that is that okay if they use books to help them figure out the sermon to help preach the sermon? As long as it's supplement and it's aligning with scripture and the content is good. Okay. Yeah, Philip. I would say it's all that, but how it applies to us. All that. But how? What do you mean? How it applies to us? 
Okay, so part of the preaching task is to help to tell the people how to, to use that to look more like Christ, how, that's, how to, that information is supposed to help them look more like Christ, what they're to do with it. Is that, yeah, yeah, okay. Or bring them to Christ. Or bring them to Christ, could be, yeah, 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 good, 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 yeah. I don't, I don't think anybody. Okay, so, so someone that's anointed by God to, to, to preach the word of God. Okay. <coughs> a proclamation of God's word. A pro, big word. Proclamation <laughs> of God's word. What does it mean to proclaim something? Anything, not just God's word. What does it mean to proclaim something? Supposed to be the truth. You're proclaiming something that's true. Good. Yes. Yeah. Ah, there you go. <laughs> well, hopefully you're at a church that's preaching. You know, if you're at a church that's preaching, hey, come to church. You'll see what it is. That's a good day. Hey, good evangelism heart right there. I like that. That's good. So when I, when I first got here, I we had a conversation today as well. I'll get to it in a second. But um, I did a few sermons, and a lot of people said, you know, I really like the way you do your sermons. Oh, thank you. And they said, yeah, it's more like teaching and not really preaching. <laughs> yes. Okay. That could be a very bad thing, obviously, if God is saying you should preach his word. What, would, what might somebody mean when they say it's more like teaching than preaching? I mean, literally, Timothy's told, preach the word. So, like, if you don't preach the word, that's a problem. So what's, why is preaching, I mean, preaching has a bad, a bad rap, doesn't it? I'd say, and in many circles nowadays, don't don't you preach at me, right? Preaching kind of gets used in a negative way. It's scripture used in a positive way. What's going on with that? Oh, we got multiple. Let's start here. Preaching versus teaching. Preaching has a call to action. Teaching does not. Preaching has a call to action. Teaching does not. So that might be what they mean with the teaching part there. Uh, Ed, what do you have? Well, in uh, 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4, it says, Ooh, let's hear it, Ed. Come on, bring it. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with complete patience and teaching, for the time is coming when people will not endure Oh my goodness, that's so good, Ed. Let's let's turn there. That's really good. We need to look at that in more detail. Second Timothy, Ed? Yes, uh, Second Timothy four one. Second Timothy four. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing of his kingdom. Just so you know, that's a big charge. <laughs> it's not like say, hey, I think you should do this. Like that's a, I mean, look all that he puts there, right? Okay, so Paul is the one who wrote this letter at the end of his life, writing it to Timothy in particular, but it's for us, of course, today as well. Preach the word. Different word than teach. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. What does that mean? In season, out of season. What, what do you think that means? All the time. 
Timothy, you want to be a minister of the gospel all the time. Be ready to preach the word of God. In season, out of season. Reprove. What does that mean? Misty will look it up on her phone in just a second for us. You were going for it, weren't you? Correct? Correct someone? Correct someone? Yeah? Okay. Ripper, yeah, it's, it's correcting, rep, reprimand some. I mean, it's in the Bible. We've got to figure out what it means, <laughs> right? If I'm supposed to do this as a preacher, if our elders, when they go to preach, if they're supposed to do this, we better know what we're doing here. Kind of correcting. Any other translations? Other translations have anything different? Correct. Correct. Okay, so do we get the kind of gist of what, it, what the feeling is of the word? Okay. So part of what he's being charged with in front of God and Jesus Christ, who will judge living and the dead, preach the word, be ready, anytime. And now he's going to start to define some of this for us. Reprove and rebuke. So Miss Lloyd's definition kind of had rebuke inside of reproving. What, how would rebuke, why, why, why does he list them separate here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reprove, it says, what's the difference between reprove and rebuke? Yeah. Reprove implies an often kindly intent to correct a fault. Good. Rebuke suggests a sharp or stern criticism. Mmm. First warning and second warning. <laughs> <laughs> this is your first warning. Now you better get your second warning. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Mr. Perlin, help us. gentler feel to that. So, uh, ooh, we're going to find something here. This will be fun. Can anyone think of perhaps something in a sermon, mine, Berlin's, Ray, somebody's from this church, where you have been reproved? It was a correction that maybe you weren't intentionally going against it. It was just you didn't realize it was something you should be doing or it was something that you're doing wrongly, and so it came across more of a gentle, like, ooh, I should be doing that. Anyone have an example? With, with the holy kiss. <laughs> So, so for those who weren't here this morning, if you missed it or you're in the nursery, uh, these two over here, 
Look at these two. So we were in we were in Romans chapter 16, and we're going through these greetings that Paul does. And at the end, he says, greet one another with a holy kiss. And so part of what I was telling you is I think the best way for us to apply that is going to be that we as Christians are to greet one another in the most culturally acceptable, intimate way with one another. So we're not avoiding one another, and we're not kind of allowing space for there to be division. So if we're not doing that, that would be a soft correction, right? Good. It's not a rebuke. You've been doing all right, so can anyone remember a rebuke? <laughs> hey, Ed's the only one getting bonus points. He's the only one who remembered any of my sermons. All right. Okay, good. Yeah, so from today's today's sermon, right? Yeah, today's sermon. What's that? Some of you are not serving enough in the church, and you need to serve more. Right? <laughs> you were in the nursery. It can't be you guys. <laughs> you were literally serving in the nursery. I couldn't have been talking to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, for those people, so those who are not serving, again, that may be different, life stage, different things, but you know by the Spirit that he'll convict you for those who are not serving as they should, that would be more of a rebuke, right? Yeah. Okay. What's that? Another rebuke. We were talking about this at the house. One of the things that I felt like I rebuked her on today would be, <laughs> our conversations at our home are very different. I don't know. But she said that when I said today something about don't, you, you don't fit in. You're not supposed to fit in with the world. That's not the point. You're supposed to be different. For her... Because of where she's at in her life, the spirit would have taken that and used that as a rebuke in her life. Okay, right? Yeah. Okay. So that wasn't just a oh yeah, I got to make sure I'm not you know I'm not trying to fit in. I need to be different. It was I've been trying to fit in a lot and I need not to do that. Make sense? Okay. All right. What else do we have in here? We have another word. Oh no. <laughs> Convince. What else? Encourage. 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 Urge. Good. Good. <laughs> so that's that one. Kind of feels a little more positive. Kind of maybe in that sense, like not. All right, Ed. Want to go for the <laughs> trifecta here? Does that, when we when when hopefully have you been exhorted? Lift lift it up. Yeah. Okay. Lift it up. Ed. Anything there? I walked into that. I should have known that was coming. Well, we're going to sit here until somebody can remember something. Okay, today. There you go, Misty. You're now my favorite congregant. Go ahead. You said we do that well. Forgot exactly what it was. What part of the Was it? I definitely would have exhorted you in that area. What was it, Miss Sandra? Was it? Was it greet? Was it yeah. greeting one another? Greeting greeting people coming from other places. And I think it may have also actually been some of the serving area. I think I said that many of you do serve, so that'd be exhorting. What's that? I needed to do less. Right. Some of you needed to do less, and 
So hopefully there was a building up in there as well. Good. Okay. Well, it sure worked out that that was my first sermon. I had all three of those things in. <laughs> and we have it tonight. Look at that. That's a great. Do we have? No way. We have another one? Ooh, watch this. With complete. Do I have to have the patience or are you guys having the patience? Who's he talking to? You're Ooh. So he's writing Timothy and he's saying you need to do these things with complete patience. Teaching. Why does he say that? What? You're smart. You're, you're ch- chuckling. So forgetful, a better way than saying stupid. Uh, what did you say? She? Where she? She were not the smartest animal. Okay. So need to be reminded. Let's go back to calling all of us. You speak for yourself over there. Speaking for you. Speaking for you. Speaking for you. So why would I get impatient with exhorting or rebuking or what was our other one? Reprove. Why would I, why would I, why why might I get why would I get impatient about that? Because your, your, flesh, your flesh is going to get in your face. Right. So 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 what's that? We can be irritating. <laughs> no way. So so but that is that's important. So you said that too because the the temptation right. And how many of you how many of you love to repeat yourself? You love it? You like to do it? You like to do it? No, no. You like to repeat yourself? Who says that? Who's Nancy? He loves to repeat himself. He does it all the time. I don't know what's going on. No, right? No, no, you know, nobody likes to have to repeat themselves, right? And so, come on, get your air checked or, you know, whatever it is. So, but a lot of, we you know, Paul says, and Peter both talk about the idea of reminding, right? A lot of this, a lot of, it's a lot of the things I preach today, you've heard before. You know those things, many, a lot of it. So I'm saying a lot of the same things. There may be th- you know, things now and again that you haven't heard, but for many of you, the longer you walk with Christ and as you hear that, you know those things. So it's telling you again and again and again because we are forgetful people. The beauty is, as I'm telling you, believe it or not, I'm also preaching that to myself over and over. we doing it all week. What were you going to say? It's also going to be lifelong. Right. This is not something that's And what's it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Says inexhaustible patience. Inexhaustible patience. Uh, yeah. Let's change the word to something different. That, that's that's a, that sounds. Like, no, but yeah. Uh-huh. I'm thinking of doing it without grumbling. Right. Because you want to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I want to. I'm excited to preach. That I get to. I don't have to. I get to. But so much of that, as Miss Lori said, is very important. Is going to be linked to whether I am doing that in the spirit or I'm trying to do it in the flesh. Why do we know that's true? Because part of the fruit of the spirit is patience. We talk about that all the time. So if he's supposed to be able to do this with all patience, that means he's going to have to do it spirit-led. If he's in his flesh, then he's going to get irritated by the fact that he has to repeat himself. But if he knows that it's spirit-led, then he knows that's what God wants him to say 
And so thus, he's going to be spirit-filled and patient. Okay? Thoughts? You, you asked what the difference between preaching and teaching. Right. You can't preach without teaching. You can't preach without teaching. Good. Yeah, it's got to be in there, and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing there's got to be an explanation. There has to be teaching. But it's more than just teaching. Right? You can teach without preaching. But I don't think you really preach without teaching something. There has to be a teaching involved in there. But then there's something else, this exhorting and, and rebuking. Right. Teaching, right. Yeah, good. Ms. Um, one of the things I learned when I was going to college to learn to be a teacher was they taught us that you should always teach something if you want a child to retain it three different ways. He should be able to hear it. Right. He should be able to see it. And he should be able to touch it. Mm -hmm. And so your teaching mm -hmm. is, you know, what you're trying as a pastor trying mm -hmm. to do mm -hmm. with the word of God right. to your to your flock. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking, as a child, when you're trying to teach your little one not to touch the stove, mm -hmm. primarily all you want to do is make sure that they don't touch the stove and hurt themselves. Right. But as they grow, you're going to teach them more about the stove right. and how it applies to their life. Mm -hmm. And and so as a teacher, that's what we're going to do. We're going to take our flock and nurture them. Right. And so really for us, when we're trying to get different ideas, let's just take unity since that's what we were talking about today, right? So we are going to preach that from the pulpit under the, with the authority of the word of God and call you to it and ask the spirit to use that. In addition to that, that's not the only time you're going to hear about unity from the Bible. You're going to hear about that in our Sunday school, home groups, Wednesday night, Tuesday night studies, where those are more like this discussion-based and more interactive and a little bit more of a teaching time, less preaching, generally speaking. So you're getting it from the pulpit, which some pastors have referred to that kind of more of the, when they talk about the, the public ministry, kind of more like the air attack, and then the ground attack is more of the life-on-life -life stuff. Because you should also be hearing about the unity of Christ and the unity of the body of Christ from individual conversations. You're going out to eat and there's two or three of you and you're talking about unity and what that means and we're pouring into one another. So really you should be hearing about it from multiple areas and preaching is that primary way of hearing. If all we could do, now we shouldn't do this, we need to, but if all we could do was one thing as a church, it would be the preaching of the word of God, the proclamation of the authority of the word of God for over everybody. But we have these other ways of trying to get us to understand them as well going along with that. In our, yes. Mm -hmm. I love the way you do your sermons. Okay. You, you read uh -huh. another book. Yes. The book. Yes, the book. Then you explain it. Yes. And then we read over again. Yeah. So you're teaching, preaching, teaching. Right. Do the whole thing. Pre preaching, teaching, preaching. Yeah. <laughs> Reading. So right. we get it. We right. know why you're teaching it. Right. And really, what I have to say about the text is not nearly as important as the text itself. Mm -hmm. Right? It's the work. So all I'm doing, really, is telling you helping explain what it means, hopefully, and then telling you that you should be obeying it or you should be doing this or that. But ultimately, the power is the work of the Spirit with the Word of God in particular. So the more that your sermon is built around the Word of God, the word of God and has the Word of God in it, the better. If it doesn't have very much of that, it has a bunch of poems and neat stories and other things, you're getting further and further away from what God has ordained as the way that we are conformed to the image of His Son. Remember when we read from John 17 at the end of the sermon? talked about sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. The spirit and the words. You have to have that in there. Yes, but I would just say something. Yeah? You, um, just another way to look at it yeah. is that in this room right now, there's all kinds of ideas floating around. Right. Everybody has 
right. people around us. Yeah. Some of those ideas are in the air. Some right. of those ideas are correct. Right. The ones that are correct are all the ones that are in line with that book. Right. All the others are not correct. Right. And so as a preacher, you're trying to tell us which ones are correct and which ones aren't. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And that when we talked about Romans as well, right, the way that we the way that we get either conformed to this world or transformed by the renewal of our mind, that's from the word of God. It's the word of God and the spirit's work that actually makes our minds think differently. So that's part of, again, from the preaching, from the pulpit, and all around. We're trying to get those things. So all of our minds are being renewed. That's also why you're going to be doing devotions as families, and you do them privately, and you do all that. So we're continuing to conform <clears throat> to the image of Christ. So in our Second uh, Timothy chapter 4, with, with complete patience in teaching. Then it stops there, and then he goes, but guess what? There's a time coming. Hmm. There's a time coming when people will not endure sound teaching or sound doctrine, but having itchy ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers who suit their own passions. I don't know when that time is supposed to be. <laughs> it's existed, and continues to exist today and will just continue to head that direction for many because they're going to keep hearing that. Now, how many of you like to hear that you're great, that you're doing everything perfect? Oh, man, that's wonderful to hear that, right? But we know that's not true. It's not what's true. And one of the hardest things, I think, at least for me in my Christian walk, is truly being at a place where I want to hear where I'm wrong, where I'm in sin, and where I really need to grow versus just hearing that everyone likes me or that I'm doing everything right or I have no, no flaws at all because my pride really likes this one, really does. And so that's why you see things in, in the scriptures that talk about rebuking one another in love seeing those things in our lives. And it, yes, it happens from the pulpit, but it should also be happening in our lives as believers with one another. And if you don't have anybody doing that, think about that. If you're a Christian, a follower of Christ, and you are not part of a body, meaning you're not sitting under biblical preaching, and you don't have others who are speaking to you, you are in very dangerous water. Because you have nobody who's trying to exhort you or rebuke you or reprove you to help you to look more like Jesus. Now, I'm going to get to Mr. Carey now. Mr. Carey, one of the things that you, we've talked about before is that there's the, the preaching at you that you've heard in the past from other, other preachers. What do you mean by that? Because apparently from what we're seeing with rebuking, there's supposed to be a side to, hey, you're in sin and this is something you need to change. Uh, reproving, this is a, an, an, exhort, or an, ex, an exhorting as well. So what do you mean? What, what, what do you mean if you say, I don't like it when somebody does that to me? What do you mean? Somebody just stands up there and screams at everybody all the time and saying, you know, hellfire and damnation, that's all that we talk about. Right. Instead of getting further than that, right. getting into it, teaching about Jesus, teaching about his love, teaching us how we're supposed to act, and not with this up there screaming this over right. and over and over and over. So what are some things you hear that he's saying that stand out about the one that is just doing that? What stands out to you about what he said? Good. There can be that. Now, that doesn't mean that a, a preacher can't get fired up and, and, you know, whatever. But he's probably not doing it with all patience. What was yours? What was yours again? 
the, your translation of that, Miss Sandra, what, what kind of extreme, exhaustible patients? Inexhaustible. Inexhaustible, yeah, inexhaustible. Okay. It'll come back. Just hold on. It's going to come back around. Not in love. Not in love. Not if you're yelling. Probably topical. Right. Generally speaking, there's more content than just that. And I would say a lot of times it probably lacks also. It may. It, it, there, not that it's untrue necessarily, as far as you know. Yes, there is hell. It's a real place. People are going to go there if you don't repent. That's where you'll go. Right. Those, those are true things. But is there any grace involved? Grace involved in there. Do you preach the gospel of grace, which does include, if you don't repent, here's what happened, but it includes the, 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 the grace of God towards us. That's, yeah. you, okay, go. <laughs> don't Go before you forget. Uh, you, it, when we, I've sat under the same thing, right. where they're constantly rebuking you and saying how bad you are mm. and how, how you should be doing this and this and this, which is to edify them right. or to lift them up. Right. Just that only you're just bad at it. And it's not exhorting. Yeah, it's just that. Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. Josh. I would say rebuking is, the, in a sense, exposing the disease, but you can't just say, hey, you got this disease. Okay, bye. <laughs> and walk away. <laughs> right. Hey, you're going to die. Yeah. And with this terminal disease, but a, doc, a good doctor should say, you have a terminal disease. Here's the here's what you could do, or right. here's the medicine. Right. Um, and, I, and I think, because there's a whole entire denomination that that seems to get the bad rep with right. this type of preaching. Right. And you can watch them on YouTube. There's a whole entire channel of it. But yeah. it's just, a lot of it is just opinions. Um, uh, a lot of Right. Right. Yeah. It seems to be the opposite of the itching of the ears one. Right. There's the itching of the ears where you just hear how great you are, and 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 there's no truth. There's no um, holiness of God or anything like that. And then you have this other side, perhaps that's just despair, and there's no grace. There's no hope. There's no. What's the remedy for the situation? Christ. Yeah, just criticism, right. Right. Yeah, I'll keep coming and listening just so I can save myself, but man, yeah. All right, so let's just finish this section and we'll be done for the evening. Um, so back in our book now with this. So now we have a better feel. Ed, thank you for that on Second Timothy. Thank you. So back real quick on the, the meaning of preaching. Um, what does, what does uh, God mean by preaching? In a broad sense, preaching is proclamation. The proclamation of God's truth by any and every legitimate means. Thus, sharing the gospel in a personal conversation is preaching. Giving someone an evangelistic book is preaching. Teaching a Sunday school lesson about Jesus is preaching. Sharing your testimony of conversion to Christ is preaching. Writing in it in a letter is preaching. But the word translated preached in this verse, 1 Corinthians one twenty one, implies more than just proclamation. Because there's another Greek word that is used for the idea of proclaiming or announcing the good news about Jesus. If Paul meant to describe the generic proclamation of God's word in all forms, then he could have chosen the other word. But all major English translations, and he goes through those, render this as preached. 
when the New Testament wants to refer to what we normally think of as pulpit preaching, this is the word it uses. Pulpit preaching is my emphasis in this chapter. When Paul says it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe, the grammatical emphasis on the, the words is on the message that was preached, the content, not the act of preaching itself. God saves people through his message, the message about Jesus Christ, not through the physical actions of someone preaching. Yet no one is saved unless the message is delivered. And the primary delivery system in the New Testament is what we think of as public preaching. So while we usually see the New Testament word preaching and rightly emphasize that it can refer to anyone's proclamation or distribution, public or private, of the message about Jesus, we have done such a good job of making this clear that we are now in danger of thinking pulpit preaching is irrelevant or unnecessary. Yet preaching is always relevant because God was pleased to ordain it. So as I talk about preaching, I am referring to a man of God publicly teaching God's word with exhortation and application. Okay? So see some of the things that we talked about added in there, but it is going to be linked, at least as he's going to describe it, to the message itself, the message of the cross in particular. So that's what he means there. Any last thoughts before we close? We'll jump right back in here next Sunday night, but any last thoughts before we close tonight? Why are we studying this? <laughs> Ed, hey, how many of you have been encouraged by Ed tonight? I've been encouraged. Yeah, amen, brother. Do it. Let's hear it. Paul writes to the church in Galatia, they're responsible, the congregation.
responsible to make sure. Because if we stop doing that, it's on you. It's on you to get us out. Okay? First reason. Second reason. Some of you are guests from other areas, and so it's important for you. Or if you leave here, you need to find a church that is regularly preaching the Word of God. Like from the text. If, you, if it doesn't exist, then you need to find another church or start one. Third, we all know people who are not in churches like that. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ, and they are dying, or at least shriveling up some spiritually. They need to be told this, because maybe they don't even know. And so we need to make sure that we're helping others as well. Make sense? So that's at least three reasons to why we're studying this chapter, and we'll look at more of it this next week, okay? All right, Mr. Perlman, would you close us in prayer, Heavenly Father, just thank you so much uh, for the privilege of being able to come together. Lord, I just pray that we all step in to the gifts that